It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Taking you home on a Wednesday here on the Sports Rush, your local daily sports fix from 4 to 6, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. In the producer's chair, once again, Adam Lundy. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. Welcome to the second hour of today's Sports Rush. Now, Mr. Brett Rump is on a bus traveling with the Mastodons up to Milwaukee, and they're hopefully getting the chance to arrive here shortly up there and reach their destination. It's as Winterstorm Olive wrecks havoc on a better part of our northern uh, neighbors, so to speak, and we fortunately have dodged some of that uh, today other than rain, uh, but I'd rather have rain than snow or ice or anything in there because I'm ready for spring, Adam. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we really avoided the worst of it. Now it's not even uh, not even raining. Now really, it's just really windy. I think yeah. we've got a little bit more rain coming tonight, but it's not supposed to get under freezing. So now, now you know what they say. Uh, come Tuesday when the sectionals start, we'll probably have a major snow event because it always <laughs> happens so around sectional time. It would seem that we always have some type of major winter event. But let's keep our fingers crossed that we're going to move right towards the spring. Uh, and getting to that warmer weather, because like we thought, just talked to Zach Osterman down in Bloomington, over 70 degrees right now uh, down there. And, uh, boy, I'd love to have that right now up here. Good first hour. I had a chance to talk um, with Zach Osterman about IU and Z- Sam King from the journal Lafayette Journal-Courier. Talk a little bit about Purdue and, of course, that big matchup coming up this Saturday right here on 1380 The Fan at 7.30. And then tomorrow, uh, we're going to have um, high school ba- high school coaches show tomorrow, as well as the Purdue-Fort Wayne at Milwaukee that our good friend Brett Rump will bring us all the play-by-play on that. And uh, they will continue to stay up in Wisconsin, the Mastodons, because they play, I think, what, Green Bay? You got it. To finish it, it up, uh, up there on Saturday. So... Big Wisconsin trip for the Mastodons. Yeah, a little update here from our uh, one and only Brett Rump. I've been told that they have arrived in Milwaukee, the horrible roads, the last 30 miles into Milwaukee, and that they were pure ice. Oh, man. We uh, are certainly glad that he made it to the hotel. And, uh, wow. Once safe safe travels for everybody up there. Well, that's the one thing that the basketball. Uh, fellows uh, deal with at this time is the year is the ever-changing weather and glad that they were able to arrive safely and get themselves prepared for their battle tomorrow night against Milwaukee. That will all be here at 7, 
I'm sorry, 8.15. Yep, a little yeah. bit later because yep. of uh, doubleheader. Yep, and then right after that, you know, right it's right after the coaches show. And then big game Friday in high school basketball. Uh, Homestead at Norwell. Now, Norwell's like 19-3, and three, something like that. They've had a phenomenal year uh, just to continue on with what they did in the fall with football. And some of those kids, of course, are playing basketball. But that's going to be a big game Friday night. We will also have here on 1380 The Fan. You know, that's a big one, too. And then the Com- the Comets and Savannah will play at 730. And we'll talk a little bit about that this hour with Justin Cohn from the Journal Gazette. And then we're going to talk with uh, Nathan Dennison from the Allen County Memorial Coliseum about the national tournament for the Division Three National Championship. They do have something that is going to occur on February the 27th, and he'll fill us in on that and a little bit about the tourney and that. And my old Manchester Spartans basketball team won the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference uh, basketball title. Coach Conley and the boys did a great job, so congratulations to the Spartans on that as they head into their tourney uh, coming up for hopefully a bid in the national tournament. So it'd be great to have that happen. But uh, the Manchester University also helps sponsor uh, or place host to the national tourney here in Fort Wayne. It's a great event That's Fort Wayne's done a great job of showcasing our fine city, as well as providing a first-class experience for those athletes as they themselves deserve that. Comets played this morning against the Stingrays. Unfortunately, their trip got off to a bad start with a 3-1 to loss to the Stingrays, a game that was tied 1-1 late when the Comets unfortunately took a late penalty um, that put the number one power play team with a power play with less than a couple minutes in, in a, to go in the game. Of course, the Comets had pretty much dominated their power play all, all game because the Comets, once again, were having about, oh, almost, I think, almost 16 minutes of killing penalties, two of which were five on three. But they couldn't hold off the Stingrays as they scored to make it a two-to-one game. And, of course, an empty netter there at the end. Uh, sealed the victory for the Stingrays. One nice uh, thing is, is Darren Kilb is back from Bakersfield. They sent him back down, the defenseman who has been on fire for the Comets. Glad to see him back to provide a little bit more power on the blue line. But the Comets play down in Savannah for two games, Friday and Saturday, and finish up with Atlanta on Sunday before heading back home. And I believe their next home contest may be against the Toledo Walleye, who are leading the Central Division if you can imagine that taking over the front top spot from Cincinnati uh, as of right now. High school sectionals start on Tuesday. Have you had a chance to look at any of those brackets and pairings? I have not. I know Brett certainly has uh, started to, to dive into the, oh, uh, I'm the sure sectional brackings. I, I, I know yesterday he was kind of, you know, giving his opinion on the, uh, the draws, the draws and everything. And, uh, I haven't had a chance to get a good look at it yet, but I'm certainly excited to get into sectional play here for the boys. I really enjoyed the uh, mm-hmm. co- covering the sectionals of the girls. Um, unfortunately, you know, yeah, they, Snyder they got beat. Yeah, didn't go quite as deep as we had liked in the girls' side, but I'm looking forward to the guys getting started here next week. Well, you know, the one thing is uh, looking at this. You've got first of all the sectional five, I believe, is up at Carroll as the host school. And for the Summit Athletic Conference schools in that one, you have Northside Carroll, Snyder, and Northrop. 
which I think is a pretty strong uh, sectional, as is, uh, I think it's sectional six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sectional six, which, Columbia is, City. which is being hosted by Columbia City. Brand new arena down there, very sharp, very nice. But that's where you have Wayne, Homestead, Huntington North, Southside got a buy, and then Columbia City also got the buy. But that will also be a pretty good sectional. Any team that comes out of there with that championship will be battle-tested for their regionals. Um, so it, it it's going to be a wild and crazy time come next Tuesday because when you look at the next one up at Garrett, we've got Dwangers up there, Concordia Lutheran is up there, as is Woodland and Leo. And then, of course, in 2A, the South Adams sectional, you have um, Blackhawk Christian down there as well as the Bishop Lure Knights who got a bye in that first round uh, up down there at South Adams. And, of course, we'll be full swing on Friday night at next week with all those games, the ones that got the bye. They'll step in and play those winners of Tuesday night's contest. But I looked at that and I thought, my goodness, this this is some really good sectionals this year with some top talent and as well as teams that uh, it's going to be hard to come out of those sectionals, Adam. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no particularly easy path, I would say, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there isn't. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you know, uh, Wayne, they've had a heck of a year. You got Homestead. There now, Southside got a buy as well as Columbia City, but uh, you're going to have two battle-tested teams coming out uh, in that final up there. Um, like I said, and then of course, when you look at Northside, Carroll, Snyder, Northrop, uh, up at Carroll, uh, that too is. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can find some better matchups as you got this year. But that's my opinion. I don't know what. Mr. Rump had to say about all that, but uh, the the guy that coaches the other oval ball sport has a little bit of insight on the round ball here every (laughs) once in a while. (laughs) But, you know, March Madness is upon us. This is the most exciting time of the year when you look at it. High school basketball sectional starting, and uh, I think everybody gets into that as well. And then, of course, all the different tourneys of the NCAA are starting the conference tourneys will be starting here in another week and of course then you get the tournament the class of 64 that will look to become the national championship teams and the brackets and all that will be coming out and everyone will be participating by choosing a bracket or a team now do you do anything with a group of people as far as the as the tourney goes uh, once you get the I have a small uh, online one with a yeah. couple couple friends, but yeah. no, nothing in person with like the full paper bracket. I used to, but uh, it's been a little bit since I've done a full paper bracket. You know, with everything that's come along in technology and everything, it's really advanced the different things that you can do with that. Yeah. Um, now, I know some will wait until after those first rounds are settled before they start getting into picking a team or such. Nah. But you went right from the get-go, right? Yeah, that's cheating. Come on. <laughs> hey, we got a text on our text line, 46862. Yep. They asked, why did the Comets play so early today? And uh, I'll go ahead and answer that one for you. It was uh, Education Day in South Carolina with the Stingrays. It was a crowd of 5,386 fans made up of mostly local elementary and middle school students. Hollering and screaming as I watched it on Flow Sports. And I will ask 
Mr. Cohn, his observations of that, because I'm sure he's covered a few of those morning games, because I think Toledo's had one or two. I think Kalamazoo has also had that. Now, I don't think it's ever been done in Fort Wayne. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate it, but um, when you flip side it, it's a good way to get some kids that may never be able to experience a hockey game to be able to go. I think that's the coolest part of it. Um, But I'll ask Mr. Cohn about his observations on those early games. I always thought a 10.30 start, man, I I just don't know how. Yeah, especially as a professional player who's Mm -hmm. used to playing in the evening at 7 or 8 at night and then going to sleep and then (laughs) getting up for practice. Well, it forces them to change their whole routine around. Absolutely. And, you know, they have to be thriving. Now, I've heard some of the players talk before that they actually like those morning games. Um, From the standpoint, it kind of does force them to do some change in their routine, but... Uh, it was a tough one today for the Comets. So they had, that was a game that they had in that they got in hand because I think they have four games in hand on most of the Central Conference. And today they had a chance to make up some ground. And um, unfortunately, late penalty uh, cost them that game. But they're still playing well. And we'll talk a little bit more with Justin about all those things uh, coming up here later uh in the broadcast yeah in just about uh yeah five ten minutes we'll have him on and you know a lot of different things going on we talked the first hour about the indianapolis colts now that they've kind of got their coaching staff there i know uh uncertainty lies in the defensive coordinator position with gus bradley jim bob cooter is the offensive coordinator i just like saying that name (laughs) you just wanted to get that i just want to say that name and then I talked a little bit of my opinion of why the Colts should remain with the fourth pick overall and draft Kentucky's quarterback, Will Levis. And, you know, I know the text line has chimed in on that on different ways. They also corrected me in the first hour, which I greatly appreciate because I got a little out in front of my skis a little bit on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears because I would assume that they will franchise tag him. But it has not been done yet there's still some debate around that so uh helpful with the text line with that 46862 as part of you sports medicine text line if you still would like to weigh in on whether the Colts should trade up to get the number one pick or stay put at the fourth pick in the draft and uh which quarterback also would yeah. you would you like to see the Colts draft we'll ask that too yeah it's a big it's it's a pretty big pool I mean I've like I said I've I've dove into it some I'm a member of the NFL uh, film uh, library. So I can watch all the 22, what they call 22 film, which is both wide and the end zone shot. And I've been able to watch a different ones because there's a, uh, there is something out there that I subscribe to that breaks down almost every position like the NFL scouts get and the coaches get. So you can go and say, give me all of, of Will Levis's throws, X, Y, and Z. Wow. Um, it's really kind of cool from that standpoint. But we'll find out a little bit that here in a few minutes. But when we come back, we're going to talk with Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette about the Fort Wayne Comets and all things Comet hockey, which I'm a big fan of. So stay tuned right here today on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush right here on 1380 The Fan. 
The Comets played this morning at 10.30 in Charleston, South Carolina, taking on the South Carolina Stingrays. Unfortunately for the Kays, they took a loss 3-1 to one, uh, with the Stingrays scoring an empty netter there late in the third period. But to give us a little bit of a lowdown on that game and his insights, from the Journal-Gazette, Mr. Justin Cohn is joining us today. Justin, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. I didn't get quite as much sleep as I usually would with a morning game, but other than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered why the 10:30. I get it; they want to have the young fans there screaming, which gets a little bit annoying when the when the announcer says, "Let me hear you scream," and I can imagine how annoying that is for the players as well. But I've never understood the 10:30 game. Well, it's great for kids, and, you know, it's a reward for students. And, of course, there's usually some corporate partnerships that, um, you know, help support those things. So, you know, I I like them. It's just from a work perspective, it can be difficult. And if you're an adult that's usually a season ticket holder, uh, you know, you go to those games, you got to remember to bring some earplugs. And (laughs) it's a very, very different environment. And I've learned through the years, for whatever reason, Strange things tend to happen, like fights that you don't expect <laughs> yeah. or ice problems like we had today or delays. It's just through the years I've noticed that with these morning games. Well, that was the uh, kind of the word of the day, ice problems, because prior to the start of the third period, it was delayed, I would say, a good 30 minutes as they had issues with it sounded like the Zamboni, but it also sounded like getting the ice to basically settle after they flooded it in between periods. But did you get any word on particularly what had happened during that time period? I don't have great specifics. I mean, the people I talked to down there said they thought it was pretty clearly ice problems and not with the resurfacer. Um, I know at one point it seemed like they were very close to actually calling the game. Yeah. And, you know, in the third period, it's just, you know, it really affected things. You know, guys were, were falling a lot. I, I felt like it was affecting the comments a little bit more than the Stingrays, mm-hmm. but both mm-hmm. teams obviously have to deal with that. And You know, I, I do know it's humid down there and some of that stuff you go through in the south. But, um, you know, certainly wasn't ideal. And then you start thinking, you know, it's, it's not like Fort Wayne's staying there. You know, it's right. not like they're going to go back there. So there is probably some pressure whether anybody would admit it to actually finishing the game because that would have been very difficult to make up so you know i guess at the end of the day it was the same for both teams but not ideal well yeah and i agree with you i think it affected the comments defensemen as it seemed to uh they couldn't they were losing their edge quite a bit uh it would appear there in the third period. Jacob Graves, I can think of a couple times that ended up giving up a two-on-one for south carolina but you know, Sean Boudreau keeps him keeps himself going here, getting that first goal and then third period because that's where it all happened. It was a pretty uh, good hockey game, even though there were some conditions that may have affected the players to a certain degree. Uh, and Fanti stood on his head today. I thought it was one of those games that he did not deserve an L for his performance today. Yeah, both goaltenders were really mm-hmm. good, and that was kind of a fun game to watch because I think they're both legitimate prospects. I mean, Fancy, I know some people doubted him early on. I, I personally thought he's looked pretty good all year. Yeah. Uh, but obviously he's an Edmonton guy and then 
South Carolina's Clay Stevenson is a, I think, a really solid prospect of the Capitals. So mm-hmm. both goalies were doing a lot of work, and you know the ice. I, I don't know if that decided the outcome at all. I mean, it really came down to penalties. Yeah, South Carolina had eight power plays, and that's the number one power play unit in the league. Now Fort Wayne is right now number two in the penalty kill, but you can't give no. South Carolina eight power plays and expect to win the game. And and two uh, five some, on threes. Yeah, two five on threes. I mean, some of this, like I, I'm not usually one to crush people for delay a game penalties. Yeah. A couple of those. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it just comes down to this altercation in the third period with Joe Misonis and Alexander Fortin and uh, Fort Wayne ends up, um, you know, shorthanded after that, and that's where the game-winning goal was scored. So, well, and, really, yeah, you're right, I, absolutely with that one. Um, and I've been personally think that Masonis has really kept his m- emotions in check compared to maybe previous years, where he would take those type of penalties where there was no rhyme or reason for what he was doing. That is exactly what happened today. There was, I don't know what the reason was there, but if you want to talk about taking a bad penalty in a critical part of the game where the score was tied, that's the one that you're going to point to nine out of ten times against the number one team in, in, in their, with their uh, power play. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. They kind of collided along the boards, and it looked like Fortin maybe said something or just gave him an extra slash or something. Mm-hmm. And Masonis just kind of lost his mind there. I mean, I, you know, I, I like Masonis, so let's not forget the last game. He was, you know, unreal. Right. He set up two goals, you know, scored a goal, set up another. So, I, you know, I'm not going to crush the guy because I've seen this similar stuff to this happen all year with different guys, you know, not necessarily – a fight with two minutes left, but somebody mm-hmm. you you know taking a bad penalty late oh, yeah. in the game. That's that's not new, but this was uh, it. Just looked kind of bad, and um, you know there was maybe a third guy in. You could maybe argue that it should have still been even, but mm-hmm. no matter how you cut it, taking a penalty, uh, any penalty with two minutes left in a you know one-one game is, is going to be bad. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right with Masonis, in my opinion. He's been one of the better defensemen all year long. And I said, you know, he's kept his emotions in check. He stayed out of the penalty box for the most part. He makes the simple play, and that has a tendency, again, to get the comments in trouble when they start trying to do, you know, not trying to make the simple play to get the puck out of the zone. Those turnovers where they're trying to make that extra pass or do something creative kind of hinders them and has been a big... I think Thorne on their side for the better part of the year. Yeah, I mean, I what I saw today though was, you know, I, I thought they played well. I, I did. I mean, they it wasn't a flashy game, and but they still came out with thirty four shots on goal with bad ice against a decent defense. I mean, I I still feel like you know the team's won ten of the last thirteen games, I believe it is, and um, you know certainly this is a big weekend, but this was the game on paper that probably was the most difficult mm-hmm. trip just to me. I mean, somebody else could argue a different way, but, um, you know, I still think you could kind of build off this and you just go to the next one and just say, look, let's do that and just 
keep to stay out of the penalty box and we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I guess the critical component of this game, this was a game in hand that they had against the leading Toledo walleye of the division. And so it kind of gets amplified when you're 1-1 into the third. And, you know, you have that mistake. And I agree with you. The game for two periods was phenomenally played by really both teams and the goaltenders themselves. So, like you said, it's time to bury that one. You move on to the next one because now they head down to Savannah for a two-game match with the uh, Ghost Pirates. And, you know, those are guess- definitely winnable games uh, when you look at it on paper, or at least you would think. Yeah, I mean, Savannah, I think they're out, their roster is actually better than their record would indicate. I mean, they've got a really, pardon the pun, a bananas roster here. <laughs> I know. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, they got guys like Nick Tuzolino, who came out of retirement, basically, you know, kept in the comments, what, nine years ago. Um, and then you got these young prospects. Uh, you got guys like Connor Corcoran and, and Linda McCallum, so familiar guys. I mean, on paper, it's really kind of an explosive team. And uh, I'm not sure if they have him right now or if he's up, but there's a player named Pat Gay who is very, very good. Um just a really offensive show, not a big guy, but he'll do all sorts of fun stuff. So, you know, don't don't sleep on Savannah and, and Atlanta, too. I mean, Atlanta's got some players, so uh, certainly a lot of work for them to do this weekend. Yeah, now looking ahead as it pertains to just kind of where we're, are, we're at in the season here as things start to, you know, wind down, because I think the Comets have, what, I think 24 games left in the season when is the deadline for those possible European players coming back potentially for teams in the ECHL or wherever they may choose to go? That deadline came and went last week. Okay. So no more players going back or forth. But um, one interesting thing is that I know a lot of European teams are after a lot of four-way players. Oh, I bet. <laughs> actually kind of a good job on them to not – really lose any of those guys uh, at the deadline. I mean, obviously they lost Winquist mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, but like I know Ty Falaber, um was one guy that European clubs were, um, you know, just, uh, did, uh, you know, offering a lot of money to. So uh, the fact that they, that they held on to their core, I think, um, you know, that speaks well for them and speaks that these guys, you know, feel that they can accomplish something this year. But you're right, not a lot of games left to uh, make up uh, ground in the standings of the division. Right. And, I mean, uh, you know, it was kind of relatively quiet for those European players this year. It seems that there wasn't a lot of transactions that would appear that I noticed of European players coming back into the fold. When is the deadline, trade deadline in the ECHL for teams to, you know, make moves? Yeah, I wish I could remember right yeah. off. Uh, off, but it, it, it'll be in about two, three weeks. That's what I thought. Um, I thought it was coming up and, shortly. You know, at this level, you know, I know we make a big deal out of it every year, but, you know, it's usually not <laughs> not what you expect. But this year, you know, it could be interesting because Fort Wayne does have some numbers, and if they get, they should happen to get Luca Burzin and Rylan Peranto back, uh, all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're having to part with one or two mm-hmm. really solid guys. All of that is dependent on who's here from the AHL. I mean, Alex Peters, I heard he was coming back like a week and a half ago, and that never happened. So um, you just don't know uh, how much 
the AHL is going to dictate what their roster is like around that uh, trade deadline. Yeah, and Adam Lundy did some quick quick research there. The March 16th is the deadline uh, for the ECHL and the trade trade. Uh, trade front and it kind of leads into my next question and playing off a little bit of that do you think the K's have what it takes to make a run in the playoffs I like their roster you know again I think they're a much different team dependent on the AHL stuff so what I mean Mm -hmm. basically is if they have two of the AHL defensemen so two of three from Darian Kelb, uh, Adam Brubaker, and Alex Peters, they're a much different team. If mm-hmm. they don't have any of those guys or just one guy, you know, the way I read it is it forces guys into positions where, you know, they're not maybe as capable. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you're taking a, a, a third or fourth defenseman and making them, you know, a, a top pair defenseman, they're not quite as strong that way. So, you know, I think that would be my biggest concern and then, you know, goaltending, you know, I, I would feel secure with it if I have Peronto and, um, Fancy here. Mm-hmm. If I only have one of those guys. Yeah. And that's putting a lot on their shoulders. And, and I still think, you know, I'm not down on Colton Point. I mean, look, he's played one game in mm-hmm. two and a half months. Did he look fantastic the other day? No. But this is still a guy on an HL contract. I think if he gets it all together, that's still a really solid backup to have. So right. There's just so many. I know it's a long-winded answer, but there's so many moving parts, especially with this team. But, you know, they're just so inconsistent. You know, they're either the best team in the league or the worst team in the league. Yeah, there's no middle ground. You're watching, and there's just no in-between with them. Right. But I, I err towards, you know, they'll probably end up, you know, maybe like a third seed, and they'll be a very dangerous third seed. Right. Well, the other thing is, I think, what does it take? Five games to be eligible for the playoffs. So Peters has got that in check, as does Kelvin um, Brubaker. The one that I'd like to see him get here would be the McPhee kid that played with him in Iowa because he has just a couple more games, and he would be eligible. Because uh, right. I think he would add, what's, in some respects, what they're missing up front, uh, a little bit more of a grinder type of guy for them. See, I think Luca is the real X factor because I feel like everybody has forgot about him. Yeah, that's how true. Good he was, and you know they got him for for I don't want to say nothing, but almost nothing. It was the Jared Thomas trade. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what the situation is with Burzin, like what the chances of him coming back are. But if he does, you know that's suddenly adding like a top line guy, and that could be a real game changer for them. But their roster as it stands right now, I think it's a strong roster. They've won 10 of 13 games. You know, the ones that they haven't won, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot. Uh, but, you know, they got they got some work to do because they got to make up some ground. Yes, they do. And before we let you go here, Justin, how, tell us about the podcast on the E who, uh, that you've done a great job on. And, of course, I, I listen in on a – a weekly basis as much as I can or catch it on the uh, replay uh, uh, for that. But what do you got coming up this week? Uh, well, we're supposed to have uh, the Adirondack Thunders coach Pete MacArthur tomorrow, and he's an interesting guy because he was just playing with their team last year. So he's one of, I believe it's three coaches who have jumped directly from playing to coaching, which is something that yeah. never used to really happen. <laughs> so 
Uh, we'll be getting into that and probably reviewing some other stuff around the league, maybe talking about Norfolk's goalie because he's, he's an NHL prospect on the worst team in the league. And that's mm-hmm. a situation that we've seen like with Iowa's Hunter Jones where it's just like, what do you make of a guy who's on a bad team and is the UCHL just hard on goalies? So that's something we'll look at too. But uh, that'll probably uh, post on Friday. You can always go to the, the Hockey News website or just go to my Twitter account and always link to it there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you've done a great job with that, being that it's you know kind of it's in its first year, as you said earlier when we talked earlier. But great job with that. Great job covering the comments with all your coverage, and you can get all of. Justin's stories through his Twitter account, just like he said there, and he'll cover the game today, but he'll have you all up to date on the games in Savannah and Atlanta coming up. Justin, thanks for joining us. All right, anytime. Appreciate it. That's Justin Cohn from the Journal Gazette talking a little bit of Comet Hockey, but we'll be right back right here on 1380 The Fan, The Sports Rush. Welcome back on the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. The NCAA Division III National Championship comes is coming back to the Summit City here in March, the 16th and 18th, hosted by Manchester University. Visit Fort Wayne and the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. But on the 27th, they have something coming up, and, I'm, and joining us now on the guest hotline is Nathan Dennison from the Memorial Allen County Memorial Coliseum. Nathan, how you doing, my man? Good, Shannon. How are you? Well, good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you again. And uh, I hear that you're pulled off on the side of the road to be safe, especially in this weather that we're having today. That's a little bit of everything. So we appreciate that. And okay. um, why don't you fill us in what is going on in the 27th? Because when I got this today, I thought, well, this would be a great thing to get out on. Uh, on the rush today to get everybody up to speed, but do you kind of give us a feeling on a fill in on the 27th and what's occurring? So the 27th is actually selection Monday for uh, division three. And so the full tournament field uh, will be released um, on Monday on NCAA.com on the um, 12:30 PM. And uh, the selection show will happen then. Uh, available for anyone to watch, but we're calling it Paint the Town Blue. And that means several of the local landmarks, the bridges uh, here in Fort Wayne, will be uh, lit up with their blue lights. And that's just really uh, for us to spread the word, to tell everybody that uh, it all starts Monday with uh, Selection Monday for the Division Three men's tournament. Yeah, I know the Ash Skyline Plaza Garage, Lincoln Tower... Yep. Uh, Well Street Bridge, Turnstone yep. Digital Board, and I know the Parkview Field is going to be involved in that yep. as well. And, you know, this is something that, you know, Manchester and uh, the Fort Wayne, uh, Visit Fort Wayne and yourself uh, there at the, at the Coliseum bid on this tournament to bring it to Fort Wayne. And it's not an easy tournament just to say, hey, we're here, so bring your stuff, bring the game here. A lot of thought has gone into this because it is a big tournament that the NCAA puts on for Division Three. Yeah, um, our partnership with Manchester and Visit Fort Wayne really started back in 2016 uh, when we were looking at different opportunities to bring NCAA events. To Fort Wayne, we started by hosting a Division Three wrestling regional 
uh, with Manchester as the host. That went very well. That led us into uh, submitting bids uh, to start hosting the uh, men's basketball in 2019. Uh, that went very, very well. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not have uh, 20 and 21, uh, but we had 22. That was a huge success. We were able to, um, the bracket worked out in, in Fort Wayne's favor for sure, bringing three of the four teams from a good uh, close-by distance. And then, of course, 2023 is the first year of the four-year bid cycle, which was the second set of bids that we submitted. And so we have the event through 2026 for sure. And then we're looking forward to doing more bids later this summer um, to see what we can get in 27 and beyond. Um, Hosting NCAA events really puts Fort Wayne on the map as a prestigious sports tourism destination. And that's that's really what this is about, is to put Fort Wayne on the map with the NCAA. And uh, we hope to continue this and do different events uh, in the future. Well, I was a part of that initial talk when I was associated with Manchester University because I had served yeah. on the football national committee for Division Three championship yeah. series, and uh, I know what goes into the selection process and those people that yeah. put in the bids and such. So I know what goes into it. And the fact of the matter is the first-class manner that, we, uh, that the Summit City has done, of course, your involvement with the Allen County Memorial Coliseum, Visit Fort Wayne, has been a big part of providing those student-athletes with a first-class experience here in the Fort Wayne and getting to play in an arena like the Coliseum, which these these kids don't necessarily get those opportunities as much. And uh, I think that's the big part, too, that you've been able to provide uh, some of these Division three schools. You're right. Uh, the student athlete experience is our is our number one focus. Making sure that when they arrive at the hotel, um, arrive at the arena, um, get a police escort um, from their hotel to the arena for their semifinal and then their championship game. Uh, making sure the locker room is all decked out and decorated, and the hallways um, are, you know all decorated with NCAA paraphernalia. It is just a, uh, a real focus of our team. Um, all the folks from Manchester and Visit Fort Wayne who are a part of it, that, that is their number one focus, is to make sure those student-athletes come away feeling like they just attended the very, very pinnacle of their athletic career. Mm-hmm. And for some of them, for most of them, they're not looking to go into professional sports this is their highest level and Correct. we really we really take that to heart and really make sure that we do everything we can just to give them a top-notch experience but we're excited about the bracket being released monday yes um the, there is a ticket discount offer that um is associated with this paint the town blue awesome and uh that starts monday as well available at the ticket office at the coliseum um, and it's four tickets, which are all sessions. So that means you get both semifinal games and the championship Saturday, four tickets for only $125. So it's 
So that is uh, a great deal that's going to be starting Monday and going through uh, a few days of next week. Yeah, that's a good thing there. It's a great tournament tournament to bring family or kids to. You get that to watch some really good basketball. Manchester's yep. men's basketball team did ca- capture the Heartland Collegiate regular season championship. Hopefully they can come on top of the tourney to get the automatic yeah. bid, which would be a nice thing to see. And, of course, then hopefully they can work their way into the Final Four, something they haven't done since the Steve Alford era, era, which has been now a pretty good time ago, back in the 90s and such. But I know that you and everyone associated with the visit Fort Wayne, Tammy Hoagland over at Manchester, Rick Espeset, they provide a lot of the – uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, like yeah. the announcer and stuff of of yeah. that nature, and they know they take it really serious over there and put a lot yeah. of time and energy into it. Now, do you anticipate getting any other protect, uh, you know, potential NCAA tournaments such as basketball that maybe yeah. rise up to Division Two or Division One? Well, uh, the next bid uh, cycle starts this coming summer, and visit Fort Wayne and. Uh, us at the Coliseum, we're having conversations right now about what other events that we do want to bid on. Um, there are Division Two opportunities, although there are not very many Division Two schools in Indiana. Right. Um, that that shouldn't stop us. So we're looking at a lot of different options. What makes sense for uh, you know for the city? What provides an opportunity for our tourism community to thrive? Um, so, yes, we are always constantly looking at the other opportunities that are out there, um, which could include volleyball or basketball or other sports. So, yes, uh, the NCAA does a every four-year bid cycle, and uh, that next one starts this summer. Well, Nathan, I appreciate you jumping on here this afternoon to give us a lowdown on the NCAA Division Three National Championship basketball tourney here in Fort Wayne in March the 16th through the 18th. And paint it blue on February 27th as the brackets are being released. Thanks again, Nathan. Good luck with that tourney. You're welcome, Shannon. Thank you. That was Nathan Dennison from the Fort Wayne Allen County Memorial Coliseum joining us here today on the Sports Rush. We're going to step aside here real quick. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. I want to thank all the guests today for joining us. And of course, Adam Lundy for all he does with producing the show. And Mr. Brett Rump will be back tomorrow to host the Sports Rush from up in the Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to be exact. And I get to come back and see you again on Friday, Adam, before we kick off the weekend. I know that just makes your day, right? I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Well, thanks again for all you do here, Adam, and the producing aspect of it. And appreciate, like I said, all the guests that we had on, especially Nathan Dennison from the Fort Wayne Allen County Memorial Coliseum, as well as Justin Cohen, Zach Osterman, and Sam Black. Appreciate them all. This has been the Sports Rush. And what were you going to give me there, Adam? Well, that's what we call a 30-second timer in the radio business. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Coming out a little bit too early then, huh? I I need to learn these things. I know that much. But... Uh, We'll have a great day tomorrow uh, with Brett Rump and, of course, back here on Friday. Shout out to my wife for letting me do this. And we will see you again Friday on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM.